Now let's turn to the scripture reading for today, taken from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a pretty well-known English writer by the name of G.K. Chesterton who once said this, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. In other words, more often than not, Uh, The trouble with Christianity arises not when it's lived out fully, but when it's not lived out because it's difficult and left untried. What is it about the Christian ideal that could be so hard and left, therefore, untried? I think our passage today, more than any other passage in the whole Bible, uh, highlights that ideal uh, for us especially with these three words in verse 27. Love your enemies. Is that something that's tried and found wanting or difficult and left untried? See, there's a reason why Jesus described uh, the path of his discipleship as one of carrying one's own cross and following after him with self-denial. It's because that's the only way uh, you can honestly live this way, loving your enemies. It's a total and radical generosity. But what we're also seeing in this passage is a generosity that is holistic. It's a generosity that goes beyond giving our material possessions and, and money away. There's a different currency in play here. It goes beyond money. It, it extends to all of our lives, every, every square inch of our lives. It's about giving your life away. And the thing that examines whether we carry this heart, therefore, is not just with our money. Uh, we talked about how through our money, we can see where our treasure is very oftentimes. There's a story that's being told in the way we spend or save. But... There is another currency that we possess that God gave us. And through that, we can also discern just where our heart is 
or our, what our heart's condition is, and that is our relational and emotional currency. And it's Jesus who connects these two things for us. He says this, love your enemies and lend without expecting anything in return. See, to Jesus, they both reveal something about his disciples, or if we are indeed his disciples. This is where we get deeper into holistic generosity, not simply financial uh, and material generosity. This is what carrying our cross, denying ourselves, and following Jesus looks like. It's, it's summed up in this holistic generosity. And I'm grateful that we're uh, landing on this topic in this, during this very challenging season by providence. Uh, we're at the end of this series. At the same time, at the peak of this very difficult crisis in a sense. Um, and I believe there is a voice that speaks to us through that. I think part of what that voice is saying to us is, this has got to show up in our lives now. This is when this matters. This season is when this kind of generosity and the true example of Christ's discipleship matters the most. The world, in a sense, is starving for this kind of Christian witness and and generosity. So I want to press into this with you uh, together, trusting that this is God's timely word uh, for us. And I want to explain this to you in uh, three steps. First, we'll answer the question, what is holistic generosity? And second, we'll answer the question, what is our problem with holistic generosity? And lastly, What is God's answer to our problem? Okay, here we go. First, what is holistic generosity? Um, Let's say you are willing to give away just a a large sum of your money to a charity or a mission or a church. Um, But what if you were unwilling at the same time, unwilling to reconcile with someone who wronged you or hurt you? That would be a lack of holistic generosity. Uh, You're saying to God, God, I'll drain my financial accounts for you. But you cannot touch my emotional account. You cannot drain me from that. I must have control over that. Let's say somebody irritates you, pushes your buttons. And right now that can be happening a lot in our own homes because we're so close to one another all the time. It's happening in my own home as well. And let's say that is met with immediate anger and wrath and condemnation. That's, emotional, that's emotionally ungenerous. Um, that, that's you settling the score right then and there. Or if you're choosing to be emotionally distant from a, a certain person, certain relationship, because it, requires just, it just requires too much patience and grace and forgiveness on your part. That would be you avoiding the score. You're avoiding the score. You see it coming and you avoid it. And whether you are settling the score or avoiding the score, uh, you are not being holistically generous. Now, what if someone does something absolutely terrible to you? Something absolutely horrifying. The default Christian posture, Jesus says here, has to be one of forgiveness. 
doesn't mean there are no consequences to be handed to people who offend. It means whatever that consequence may be, uh, if there's a Christian in the picture, forgiveness has to be in the picture. And you can say, oh, but they really don't deserve it. They, you have no idea what they've done to me. Uh, that's relevant. And the whole point of this is because of what they've done to you, that makes them your enemies. And therefore, that makes these three words, this command, relevant to you. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. It's to those who have a legitimate wrong to be recorded that Jesus says, don't keep that record of wrong. Love your enemies. You know what the flip side of this is? Uh, And it's just as perhaps disconcerting to us. We're very good at being generous uh, with ourselves when when we sin against others or when we sin against God. When, let's say, you're uh, confronted by someone uh, for your wrong. Um, If you're anything like me, the tendency is to uh, immediately come to your own own defense. Uh, You you bring up this inner lawyer uh, who can come to your defense and make a case for your innocence. And there's a list of reasons and circumstances that speak to why you had a legitimate reason for you doing the things you do and saying the things you said, there's a whole list. It's complex. You, you're presented essentially as a complex uh, individual. But when someone else um, wrongs us, we tend to not really give them that same benefit of the doubt or that they in, in court. Um, they're just a villain. They're simple and plain. They're just a villain. They're just an evil person. There's no complexity to them. They're just a very one-dimensional bad person. See, not extending that same benefit of the doubt, you extend to yourself. Being quick to condemn, slow to defend, quick to speak and judge and slow to listen, um, that's radically ungenerous and, and more importantly, in Jesus' terms, that's, that's in a way unchristian. A radically generous heart, a holistically uh, generous heart would say, I'm choosing to give you all the patience, uh, all the grace, all the love uh, that I'm reserving for myself. I'll, I'll take some of it out of my own account and offer it to you. That's what this means. Uh, do you have such a relationship? One that drains your emotional account because you you let it? It's by your own choice, because of your own generosity. Now, being generous doesn't mean uh, we don't draw any boundaries with people. Uh, That's not what that means. It just means you draw the line where God would want you to draw the line, not where your personal comfort level would draw the line or your limited capacity to love someone would draw the line. Here, take a look at verses 32 and 33 again. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Um, I don't know if you can see it here right away, but there's a pretty clear line here that Jesus is drawing. 
The line is, love beyond your personal gain, your personal benefit. It's loving beyond a conditional good or a reciprocated good. Because that's very often where we draw the line if there's not enough return. That's when we cut it off. That's when we distance ourselves. Uh, Elsewhere in Scripture, it also defines this line by just what this good that you do entails. And part of what this good entails is confronting someone of their wrong, lovingly confronting them. And what does that mean? It means you confront for the sake of restoring them, uh, for the sake of reconciling, for the sake of strengthening the bridge between the two of you and not burning those bridges. So it's not without confrontation, but it's with a gentle confrontation for the sake of restoring the sinner. So loving your neighbor or your enemies, it includes pointing out sin. It does include that. It doesn't mean you're silent uh, in, in light of sin, but you approach them in a private way, in a gentle way. Later, with witnesses. After that, bring it to the elders. But the whole point is to love them and to protect at the same time those who are being sinned against uh, because these are the lines that the Bible draws for us. you got to care for your church. you got to care for your family, yes. And you have to care for the sinner. You have to care for the offender. That's, where God, that's how God draws the line. And it's, it's not at all how we tend to draw the line. Uh, when it comes to relationships, a lot of times it's strike when you're out. You're out of my life. And forever I'm going to be emotionally distancing myself from you. But here God is pushing us to stay in that person's life, um, whether that means through gently confronting, whether that means through being gracious and being forgiving, being even forgetful by not keeping a record. Whatever that looks like, he's saying don't give up on that relationship. Stay in that relationship and love your enemies. That's God's agenda of generosity, and that's what holistic generosity looks like. I don't know about you, but I'm already feeling the weight of this just on my own shoulders as I even share this with you. This is a challenge. This is a challenge for all of us. You, you start feeling um, more drained in all the other currencies of life when you come to grips with holistic generosity, true Christ-like generosity. When, when we are expending ourselves beyond our wallet, um, when we're giving all of our life away, um, that's holistic generosity. And, and, and I think part of our resistance to this is, is, is already showing us the problem that we have with it. Um, and that leads us to the next point. What is our problem with holistic generosity? Um, as Bob Goff put it, love's asking price is everything. Love's asking price is everything. That's one way to summarize uh, our problem with holistic generosity because that holistic generosity essentially means we're laying everything down. We're laying everything down. But let me make a couple additional uh, observations here that, that Jesus is making for us. So if you look at verse 34... It says, and if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? 
Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Do you see the, the action here and, and, the, and the motive that's behind that action? Okay, lending is the act, but what's the motive? To get back. To get back. Uh, you might think the problem with generosity is simply resolved by just doing more, just lending more or, or um, giving away more or um, doing more stuff that appear generous. But see, that's not what Jesus is getting at. He's getting to the heart motive. You can do a lot of good things on the surface, but if, if your motive is, I'm going to get all this back, that's not generosity in his book. Emotionally, relationally, that sounds like I'm going to get back at them uh, for, for doing something to me or saying something to me or wronging me a certain way. I'm going to get back at them. Right. Um, I might say I forgive them, but I'm totally okay with never interacting with them ever again. See, what is that? That's, that's getting back at them. That's passively pronouncing judgment on them. That's passively punishing them with your isolation and distancing. You're getting back. But you see, Jesus says, even sinners, and by that he means people who do not know God, even they do that much. Even they lend to sinners to get back. So at the root of our lack of generosity is this heart that wants to get back everything we give. Um, it's a heart that is so exacting, a heart that keeps a record of everything, every wrong, every offense, every, every shortage, every drainage from our account, we, we keep a very precise record of. How else does this manifest itself? In our relationship with God. Now think about this with me. Uh, what, if, what if for every generous uh, act that you perform, um, whether it's a financial giving or even in a relationship you're being emotionally generous and you're forgiving, you have a way of just knowing, knowing how God will reward you because of that. Um, whether that reward is to come later or now. What if an angel were to tell you something like, hey, you, you chose to forgive. Uh, you chose to, to um, give this much to charity. Great. In about a week, God's going to bless you with, with this, with just incredible health. He's going to bless you with that, that relationship uh, breakthrough that you, you were looking for in your, in your life. And so on and so forth, this repeats itself. Every time you do something good, God just showers blessings on you. If that's what's driving me to be generous, uh, would that be considered truly generous. Um, I think my, Owen, my seven-year-old, would be able to discern that that is not generous. That is actually being selfish. That's me doing things so I would get things. That is a transactional way of life, not a generous way of life. Um, and I share this to say we can so oftentimes enter into this transactional relationship with God. God, here I'm doing this for you. God, I am, 
I'm praying this much, I'm reading this much Bible, I'm going to church this often, uh, I'm serving at this capacity. And we may not say it, but in the back of our minds, we could be expecting from God a certain amount of blessings to come in return. And the best test of that is how we react to suffering. How do we react to suffering? Uh, And naturally, uh, if you've been building your relationship with God on a uh, this transactional path, then naturally you you feel disappointment towards God. You'll feel bitter towards God, and you'll feel more and more distant from Him. So I don't know about you, but this convicts me. This caused me out uh, to just reflect my own heart. And reflect on all the moments that I've grumbled in my own heart, saying, Lord, I, I've been patient with this person, or I've tried loving this person, I tried forgiving this person, but this person is un, ungrateful, this person is not appreciative, and I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't see the fruit, fruit of my labor. But see, me grumbling that way, complaining that way, just means I was doing all, all these things to just get things in return. I was expecting God to pay me back. I wasn't being generous. When it comes to holistic generosity, there are no strings attached, and we have a problem with that. Our hearts are wired in a sense. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, uh, our hearts have been wired um, to attach everything we do with, with strings. Uh, it's got to benefit me. It's got to come back to me. And that ultimately is the definition of selfishness. It's, it's when everything points back to the self. And this takes us to the final point. What, what is God's answer then to our problem uh, with holistic generosity? Short answer is, He offers us a gift with no strings attached. Uh, he offers us the gift of adoption, the right to become children of God, for free. Now look at verse 36, very important. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Now look, it doesn't say here, be merciful, then God will adopt you and become your Heavenly Father and you'll be a child of God. It says, your Father is merciful. Meaning, since you are a child of God, And if indeed you are a child of God and you have this reward in full, then show forth the fruit of that, the evidence of that, this free gift of adoption by imitating your father. Be as merciful as he is. Be as generous to your enemies as he has been generous to you. Imitate him. Imitate your heavenly father. Uh, There's a hymn that um, I was reminded of recently uh, when I was doing a daily podcast about the hymns that we love. And uh, I believe it was, it was our sister Anna who brought up the hymn, um, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. Um, there's a wonderful, wonderful line in that, just first two lines of that hymn. Uh, I want to read for you because it was, it's just a wonderful reminder of the generosity of God. And it goes like this. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. Uh, what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? 
there's no more for heaven now to give. Uh, this was actually a point that um, a preacher by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones made. Um, and he put it this way. Do you know what your adoption means? It means this. It is the highest expression even of God's love. And then he adds, I speak carefully, I speak with reverence that even the love of Almighty God can do no more for us than this. What is he saying and what is that him saying? Uh, You and I have received the highest expression of God's love in his son. Something that the Almighty God himself can't exceed. That's what adoption means. He has not withheld his best to us. He's given us his very, very best gift with no strings attached. And if you're drawing near and drawing nearer to this truth of God's grace, of God's generosity for you, and you behold what kind of love God has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, that will change our hearts it will melt away the stingy heart and give us a new heart, a heart like Christ, a heart like God's, a heart that is merciful, a heart that is forgiving, a heart that is loving, a heart that is capable of holistic generosity. And so the way we cultivate this heart, especially for those of you who have tasted it, but you feel, you feel that you haven't, you're not growing consistently in this, the way we cultivate this heart is by pressing deeper and deeper into this gospel, into the, this good news. Not some preacher telling you, be more generous, give more money away. It's you pressing into the gospel of Jesus Christ, who alone has the power to change your heart, because he was the one who was generous with you. He was the one who laid down his life for you. He drew near to us when we distanced ourselves from others. He loved us without condition when we would only love with conditions that we set down, we lay down. And he loved us holistically just by laying his whole life down when we are only loving selectively. It's when we realize this generous offering of Christ himself, his body, his blood, he cleanses us of our old hearts and give us, gives us a new one. The question is, do you know him? How well do you know him? Do you trust him? And do you trust him enough to risk giving away what you have? Can you be so satisfied in your Savior that you can say, He is all I need. His gift of himself, the Father's gift of his Son is all I need. And therefore, I am ready now to turn to my neighbors and say, What do you need from me? Rather than demanding from them what we need. And let's remember these words from Jesus once again. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray. 
Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for just the series of reminders that you've given us of your generosity to us, of adopting us as your children when we deserved actually to be uh, cast out for our sins, for our rebellion, for our selfishness. But yet, Lord, you came, um, you sent your Son into the world um, not to condemn us, but to be utterly, radically, holistically generous to us. And Lord, I pray that we would all be able to receive that gift with a, with a sincere heart. And for those of us who have received it, that we would cultivate this heart by drawing closer to this good news through, through word and through prayer and also through our obedience. Uh, as we try to live, Lord, as your representatives during this time, during this challenging season, to help us and use us and make your invisible kingdom more visible here on earth and tell of that kingdom more loudly just through, through the actions we take, the decisions we make, the choices we make um, in our relationships uh, with our material possessions and let our tiny little acts of generosity reflect the great generosity which you have shown us through your Son. We pray all this in his name. Amen.